Hey everyone, welcome to Christ is the Cure, episode 111. And today we have a special guest who hasn't been with us since episode 48, Nate Davis. Um, you can get a more formal introduction from Nate on that episode, but Nate, if you want to add any quips or say hi, feel free to... Uh... No, man, it's it's good to be back on the show and discussing things with you again, because uh, tonight should be a pretty fun topic to talk about, important topic too, but um, yeah, just from the last episode, Liberty University students online, and then um, just uh, currently serving in the Air Force, so pretty much all you need to know but um yeah it's good to be back thank you for having me back yeah man it's always great talking to you uh so some people have have been aware of what we're gonna be talking about and they've actually highly anticipated it um and it's basically um christian ethics or etiquette on the internet or living as a christian in a digital age and so um for those of y'all who follow me on instagram we did a meme series and so Nate and I were like, well, we should make an episode on this. And so we jumped into that. And I don't know if I told you, but the responses for the meme uh, series was very positive. Uh, I had Which a, is surprising. Yeah, I had a couple of meme pages uh, message me and tell me that they were convicted. So that just goes to show. Anyway, um, we were wanting to start by comparing the internet with the printing press. What were you... So, so with that, um, just talking about being a Christian in a, a mass media consumption culture. Um, if you think back in history to the advent of the printing press, or you can even go back to the first century with the advent of the, the book, uh, when things went from scrolls to a, a codex, which if you study it's Christians were actually behind that, uh, innovation, but, um, it allowed ideas to be transmitted in a, in a much more, um, overwhelming manner so with the printing press you had the 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 bible was able to get put into the hands of the common man you had pamphlets uh different tracts and the the printing of ancient works like homer's odyssey and such but then so those were positives those allowed people to consume media and be more informed but at the same time you had the proliferation of a lot of wicked works and and uh, heretical works as well, and some some that were just downright misinformation. Well, fast forward 500 years with um, social media, you have the power to look up any sermon that you want just with a click of a button on YouTube. You got the ability to communicate with someone at lightning fast speeds uh, with the with the presses of a couple of buttons, and and the ability to be informed again with all the apps and things of that nature, but with the cons that we'll be discussing, it's it's led to a lot of divisiveness and lost friendships, the ruining of testimonies, uh, scandals, um, and, and just, you know, kind of just making the name of God be blasphemed among the world because of the way we've acted on there. Yeah, one thing that uh, was my biggest criticism was that, um, so... The printing press sped up production. It allowed for mass production, and you could put out stuff faster. And the internet just like tripled that, if you can even say triple. I think it's probably more than that. And so I think every time you get into like mass production, quality goes down. And I think that's kind of what's happened with a lot of theological material in general. And then of course it gets reduced into uh, what we're talking about a little bit today is the meme culture. Um, did you have any thoughts in terms of 
that aspect of it, the, the theo- theological reductionism or... Um, uh, well, one, one thing with meme culture, so we, we wanted to hone in on, because me and you are of the Reformed um, tradition, and uh, obviously the Reformed tradition is known for some of the memes that they pump out, but I don't think that we are the only one that does. I think you could probably find any uh, denomination and they're going to have their meme content that they, they put out and such that, yeah. you know, is intended to provoke or, or inform or, you know, to, to be prideful. Uh, but just with reformed meme culture, with the advent of Instagram in 2012, there's just been a proliferation of Christian pages that are dedicated to memes, which is kind of just the way we communicate now is American culture. Uh, I, I don't know who coined the term. I think it was Richard Dawkins, but it memes have been around for as long as, you know, like smartphones have been pretty much, but they've picked up in popularity in recent years. And it's like every new, like, uh, hot meme that goes around Christians have to jump on and throw their theological spin on it like you remember the uh, the Spongebob one where it's like you know he has like a weird face he's like you know and, yeah. and everyone's got to throw like the different uh, case styles of letters and such and then uh, the, the guy that's sprinkling salts on the meat everyone had to jump on that and make their own memes but with that it as you've mentioned and you convinced me of it we have taken eternal truths and turned them into jokes or everything is a joke nowadays and some of them have been downright blasphemous or uh they're just inaccurate or untruthful yeah um that was so jordan who's on instagram had told me uh that he was discussing with uh, because he had the same convictions around the same time that i did and we had talked about it quite a bit and in a discussion, he had talked to one of his friends, and he said, I want you to lay in bed and meditate on the doctrine of hell. Think about your life if you didn't have Christ, and really think through all the implications that has in regards to hell. And then the next morning, I want you to try to make a meme out of it. And that's really what it boils down to, is like you, you kind of have to question like how serious we take our theology when we're willing to make memes that quickly about it. Right. And... In, in- Prior to you bringing that to my attention, because before uh, you and Jordan brought that up to me, it's not something I really thought deeply about. You know, I just thought it was kind of, you know, Christians like finding a fun way to communicate truths in a way that this generation understands. Because I kind of likened it to when Paul used pagan poets and such, like relating to the culture. So I thought, oh, you know, that's kind of what we're doing now. But then I saw the one where it was things like uh, there was a meme of Jim Halpert in the office looking through the blinds of a window, and uh, the the caption was uh, Bathsheba colon all right time to take a shower and then David colon and then it was just Jim Halpert's face and it's like so we made a joke about uh, a, a heinous sin that led to the death of an innocent man and, and a baby and led to the pinning of Psalms 51. And that's a, that's something that we're just gonna be like, that's a good one, man. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and then the one you sent me about, uh, angels in heaven when a sinner repents and it had like the, the Joker and, uh, Spider-Man threes, Peter Parker on there. And so 
like the the angels that made people cower in fear clowns essentially yeah and it and the more that you when you brought that up to me it's like i looked at my past page of stuff that i put out and it's like i see a progression here of just when everything was a joke to me and i wanted to just post stuff to make people laugh yeah but laughter isn't always the best communicator of truth well and uh this kind of goes into a um another thought process that I had been going through was I had really started started looking at what I was laughing at to begin with, because laughs are so reactionary that you don't really think about why you're laughing. And I had realized that I was laughing at things I really just shouldn't laugh at a lot of the time. And I realized that because it's reactionary, um, it's coming from somewhere. It's either the flesh or the spirit. Uh, and so you, you almost have to use discernment about where your humor is coming from to begin with. And, uh, when it comes to meme culture, uh, I've seen a lot of, especially in the reform camp, I've seen it with some Lutheran memes too, um, but there's a lot of memes that are created for the purpose of provoking people. And that's the biggest thing is using memes as a theological club. And uh, that one just kind of irks me, especially whenever it misrepresents a view. Even whenever you're looking at like the Catholic memes where they make a meme about someone worshiping Mary. Uh, yeah, in, pr in practice, they worship Mary, but Roman Catholics have a very complex view of veneration that you kind of have to represent and deal with. And, and I, I had a, a friend, I, I, uh, she told me that she, she didn't believe that saints were martyred for memes, you know, to, to be meme kings of their day. Yeah. And you, you, I have known some personal friends of mine that they're, they've had a reputation on Instagram for being the best producer of fire memes and some of them are downright hilarious. I yeah. will admit I, it is. Some of them have brought me to tears laughing, <laughs> but then I go and look back and I'm like, all, all that did was produce laughs. It didn't make me think about the message it was trying to convey. Or I, I looked more at the, like the video clip or, or thought more about the video clip than, than I did the actual content. Yeah. Um, and you also mentioned that uh, this might raise the question of like, well, what about Babylon B or Lutheran satire? And and you made the good point uh, about the difference between that uh, organization like, like Lutheran satire and uh, Babylon B is that Instagram reform main pages just tend to just be just for laughter or just for uh, to provoke or or to rile people up, whereas sites like Babylon B and uh, Lutheran satire try to promote conversation and to get people to critically think about it through the use of, of satirical language. I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, Lutheran satire uh, because that is one of the most intelligent, like most intelligent satire uh, yeah. easily, and and that's like. You can't listen to it and not think. And that, that's the big difference is that with memes, it's all reactionary. There's no brain involved. Uh, and that's that's kind of one of the things I don't like because we already live in a culture where people don't think through issues, where people don't look deeper or try to um, treat these things with reverence. And whenever I think about what the next generation of Christians are going to see, uh, we already have the next generation of Christians that, that don't take the church seriously. I, and I wonder how much less serious they'll take us whenever they see that we've just produced a bunch of memes uh, compared to like the Puritans, the reformers, we look like a joke. Right. And, and, and uh, future generations may deem us exactly as 
as that. And like, I think part of the reason why me and you wanted to talk about this is how do we move forward from here? Yeah. Is this the tide that we need to stem or is this another thing that's going to divide us? And, and some people are going to, and, and I don't mean this lightly, put away childish things and, you know, go after, you know, that which is more serious. And then those that just want to post things for skull faces and fire emojis. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that, that makes me laugh. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, this conversation that we're really about to just get more into is is just asking people to hold yourself to a higher standard that scripture already tells you to hold yourself to be holy as he is holy and, and act in a, in a Christian manner. We, we tend to throw biblical principles out the door when it comes to, to memes or humor in general. So that's kind of where Nathan and I are going tonight, which, uh, we, Nathan really formulated 10 good principles. And I was like, those are awesome. We're going to stick with them. So I think he gave me the credit for that, but I don't deserve the credit for that. Well, uh, one one quick disclaimer, though, is that um, I don't want people to get the idea that this is a holier than thou, you know, roast fest, because you go, I I have left my Instagram page as is. People can go back and see what type of immature Christian I used to be. I used to post things just to inflame or to mock or to just get laughs and, and high fives and, you know, great meme, bro, and 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 just things like that. And I use that as just to see what I used to be. And you mentioned as well, like you can, I'll let you attest to your um, past regarding this matter. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people don't know because I ran it anomalously. I can't speak tonight and whatever. Anyway, so I ran a meme page and it was pretty rowdy uh, to say the least. And I did all the standard things that I'm now critiquing. And that's just one thing is that there's, there's always a time to, to look back and say, oh, I, I should have done things differently. And like Nate said, uh, at the end of the day, we're not trying to force this view on you. We're just asking you to use some discernment, think through the issues, and see how you come out. Because so far, it seems like uh, the the answers are pretty straightforward. With that yeah, said... Yeah, if your conscience doesn't um, afflict you in this matter, then then continue on. Right. Uh, but for... for I. I this was a conversation that Nick and, and Jordan brought to my attention, and it it made me um, think about this. And by the way, for those of you that don't know, that's Jordan Small um, yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as far as the 10 principles go, um, we can go ahead and just uh, get right into that. If Sure thing. Yeah. So number one, love your neighbor does not become optional on the internet. Do you want to dive into that? Yeah, and, and uh, another thing with this is that this is just something that me and Nick discussed that we have derived from Scripture that we feel, if applied, would lead to a better representation of Christians on social media. This is not, you know, a new book of the canon. This isn't, you know, extra biblical revelation. This is just truths that we've extracted from Sola Scriptura to be applied. So the first one being, you know, how loving your neighbor is not optional behind a keyboard. The thing with digital communication is it's largely impersonal, uh, same as writing a letter. So uh, with with um, digital communication, you don't have a face-to-face uh, context. You can't gauge uh, eyebrow movements or facial reactions, and so a lot of it becomes impersonal, which therefore tends to 
leave the door open for a negative uh, inflammatory interaction rather than a, a positive civil one. But I, I think that the truth of the matter is, is, you know, the second greatest commandment shouldn't become optional in any form of uh, communication. Yeah. And with that, I mean, we have to realize, too, that it's the Internet. Uh, we'll get into this a little bit down the line, too. But if, if for some reason you're, quote unquote, triggered to use a catchy word for this episode, um, then take a step back. You don't have to. Re- we have time on the Internet. You can take your time, formulate a response that's not inflammatory. You can think through how you're saying things to get your tone kind of across, at least. But at the end of the day, everything Nathan said is just right, is that we, we don't just throw away all principles and forget that we're talking to people on the under end of the keyboard. Cause I think that's really how people see it. It's like, Oh, it's just some digital thing that we're discussing with, but no, it's not, it's not a computer. And it, and it, with the internet kind of being a, a permanent fixture, your, your communication history is, is just largely out there permanently. Yeah. Even if you were to delete it, people can go and recache that back up. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of an inexcusable communication record, and it's something that should cause you to think. And an addendum I wanted to put on the end of this principle was, I think a good rule of thumb is you should never say anything that you wouldn't say to the person's face. And in a passage of scripture that I like to think about is 2 Corinthians 10, where Paul talks about how uh, they said that he was weighty in his letters, but weak in person. Then Paul says that I'd, I'd, I'd want to be the the same that I am in letter as I am in, in speech. So don't, don't say anything that, that you wouldn't say to the, the person's face that you're communicating with. Yeah. And, and if you're the type of bold vociferous person, then maybe you just need to rethink your, your seasoned speech approach. But I'd say that'd be a good, another good additional rule with that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think that would solve a lot of problems right out the gate. Um, because again, people forget that they're talking to people, and really, there there's something about the keyboard that gives you courage that uh, perhaps is uh, unfounded, really. Um, so number two, straw men should be avoided. Not only do they shut down discussion, but they are often dishonest. Don't misrepresent the other side. You want to talk on that one? Yeah. So I I um, had posted an example to Nick uh, when we were discussing how to prepare for the show about a meme I made of Catholics where it's like these two fraternity guys where they're high-fiving each other and, and the I, the caption of the meme was Catholics be like, bro, I've lost my salvation 8,000 times, you know, me too. And I go back and I look at that and of course the the comments underneath got blown up by Catholics that follow me because uh, that was a door slammer. Yeah. That that did not open the door for discussion. That was a straw man in a sense because talking to Catholics, they don't think that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it was just a so for those that that aren't aware, a straw man is where you take someone's position and you, you reduce it to an easily refutable position that that doesn't clearly represent them. So. If you're a Calvinist, if someone says, oh, so we're all robots, that's a straw man because no Calvinist believes that. And that's not an accurate representation of Calvinist beliefs. And secondly, like if you were to say, uh, oh, King James only people idolize the King James. Well, 
if you talk to them, I, I don't believe that that's the case with them either. That's that's a that's a purposeful misrepresentation that just shuts it down. Yeah. Now, as far as like scriptural representations to back this up, um, if you read Acts 17, uh, it talks about when Paul and Silas were uh, passing through uh, Thessalonica. Uh, they went into the synagogue and and they reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead. And then later on in that same chapter, uh, Paul goes to Athens and then he has discussions and debates with the Stoics and the Epicureans. Now, knowing Paul, obviously with his background in uh, Phariseeism, he knew their arguments, and I'm sure that with Paul's character, he didn't purposefully misrepresent them to slam the door on them, but used their scriptures to prove the gospel. And secondly, with, with Athens and uh, the philosophers that were there, you know, he said, look, you guys have all the, you are a religious people and you have all these gods. And even there's a statue that says to the unknown God. And then he uses their own pagan poets to prove the point of the existence of God and that he commands everything all men everywhere to repent. So I think that's a great example from Scripture where Paul didn't slam the door uh, in the Jews' face or the Athenians, but he reasoned in such a way to open discussion and and uh, preach the gospel. Yeah, I think that's that, that's a solid point. And I think another couple of principles, I mean, uh, we're supposed to be proponents of light, truth has speech that's salted and have a, a reason and uh, there's supposed to be integrity to how we do things we're supposed to be look different than how people in the secular world would do something and i would argue that making straw men is not a way to be uh walking in the truth or be uh or have integrity in how you approach a situation and uh very i i have yet to see a situation where someone makes a straw man uh, and is um, provoking someone, and they successfully evangelize to them. I, I have yet to see that happen. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> or they win them over to their side. Yeah, you know? I, I never, I've never seen that happen. Like, oh, we are robots. Yeah, you're right. I'm not a Calvinist anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so with that, um, yeah, I'm going to save this text for later. So number... Three, social media can be great for civil discussions, but not always. Be the civil side. Would you want to talk on that one? So, um, verse I'd, I'd looked out for this is um, Colossians 4, 6, which is, uh, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, again, with that, uh, when Paul says, you know how you ought to answer each person, not everyone you come across is going to be Mr. Rogers or Mother Goose. Some of them are going to be pretty difficult people to speak with. But if you're going to have a discussion on social media and start an argument or, or join in an argument, be the civil side on the matter, even if the other side isn't. Yeah. You know, I, I see so many discussions where, you know, someone will jump into an argument, they'll have their back and forth and, you know, throw throw their different arguments. And then at the end, it's like, you know. It ends with the passive aggressive, uh, God bless you, brother, or I'll be praying for you. When you get to heaven, you'll realize that you're a Calvinist. And I even saw one where uh, a known Calvinist responded with someone. He's like, uh, when I get to heaven, I'll be sure to thank God. Or when I get to heaven, I will be sure to tell God how much I contributed to my salvation. 
you know, and, and it's it, it's just the, the civility goes out the window with uh, Instagram wars and and things of that nature. So uh, and another thing just with that is uh, some conversations are just better had face to face, especially if it's a very controversial subject. Uh, and the scripture that I brought for that was Third um, John 13 through 14, where um, John states, um, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk uh, face-to-face. Uh, so it, it's, um, you know, John could have made the, his third epistle as long as his first one, but again, some conversations, um, especially with the controversy that church was dealing with at the time, it's better to have those discussions face-to-face because with face-to-face interaction, there there is a nuance and there's facial expressions and some inflammatory conversations I've had on the internet. And I said, Hey, let's call and discuss this. They're a completely different person yeah. with their voice or they're a completely different person outside of the internet because you, you don't, you can, you can't gauge tone always precisely with, yeah. with, uh, digital words. Um, to that, uh, I can, I'm one of those people that I write in a way that apparently seems rigid and rude. And I don't mean to. Apparently, I just write in a formal way, and I'm well aware of it. So it's kind of like know yourself, be conscious of how you're writing. And like Nate said, it's better to at least have a phone call and because every single time things get cleared up just by tone. And what's, what's funny, too, is that I literally had someone today, Nate, uh, uh, in a discussion tell me, I'll see you in heaven. We'll have a beer and we'll laugh at the, the fact that you were wrong. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that was, yeah. I was like, man. And the whole discussion was, was basically not to go too far into it was, um, that I was wrong, that Jesus said that he was the only way to salvation. And so it was one of those situations where it blew up really quickly from his side but it was a good example. I had a lot of people message me after saying, hey, you were patient with that guy. And that just goes to show that people are watching. People are seeing what's happening. And if you look like everyone else, then guess what? You're just that Christian that fits the stereotype that most people already see. And, and some further examples on this particular principle, and I've been guilty of them, but if you see a, a post on Instagram where you're like, oh, man, I really got to argue with this guy, or on Twitter, I have noticed that often the most provoking comments start with the word so. <laughs> so like so we're just all robots that god controls or so we can sin however we please it's got a like, sass every to time it. i just tried to discuss sola fide someone's like so we can just sin as however we please yeah and that's an instant you know the, the well the civil discussion has gone by the wayside then whereas yeah. if you're wanting to have a discussion with someone Look at your first comment. Be like, "Hey, what are your thoughts on this?" Or, "What do you think about this?" That's a more general approach than a, you know, a word, a, a comment that starts with "so." Yeah. And, and, and oftentimes that that is what leads to a non-civil discussion because now they're on the defensive and they want to respond with the same vitriol that you came at their post with. Yeah, for for stuff like that, I think just using questions in general is extremely helpful because the person feels like they're being understood, they're being heard and you're understanding their position. I think it 
there's there's a tactful way. I mean, use your social skills that you use in person. I mean, that's what it boils down to, right? Yeah. Um, so number four is never make con- condemning statements that put the other side's salvation into question. You are not God. Um, there's a very classic text that I found that's perfect for this, and it's in First Corinthians four five. Um, and Paul says, uh, "Therefore, do not ju- pronounce judgment before the time." Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. So there are often times when we're quick to assume the worst, uh, when oftentimes the person may just be in a state of naivety or they're at the time deceived and, and not in sound doctrine. But I don't think we this ever calls for us to, to consign someone to the fires of hell. For the views that they hold, because there's always the chance that God may grant repentance and, you know, bring them from the snares of the devil. Um, But we're we're also not, as Paul said, we're not to take the place of Christ, who is the judge in pronouncing final matters. We we can judge righteously and, and, you know, have discernment, but we are not the final judges in in the the final divine court in someone's eternal destination yeah um with that you could always express that you're concerned for them and that they are in danger if they're in some kind of wild heresy and they're professing christian then you can express that you know i'm concerned because you may be in danger but you should never assume that i mean i've met plenty of basically modalists who deny the Trinity, then several months later say, you know what, you were right. I found out the Trinity was biblical. And if I had condemned them immediately, then it would have been like, okay, well, you know. So I think you nailed it with all that. Right. And and I, I've been using this this phrase a lot recently, but it's called the, the hammer and anvil approach. And that's basically where if you just picture hammer and anvil, it's designed to just beat something into, into shape. Well, the problem is, is just with social media, almost every controversy of every stripe, people are taking a hammer and anvil approach to yeah. when probably care and consideration is more called for. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll just have people that will make every single issue under the sun a gospel issue. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, and you might be able to speak to this, how many things truly require a hammer and anvil approach. I mean, we could consider the letter of Galatians a hammer and anvil letter, but that was centered around the true gospel. We don't see that same approach in Romans 14 with what Paul calls, you know, things that are up for discourse. But it's like, you know, things like the the whole pedo-baptist versus credo-baptist debate. I have seen so just so many friendships get ripped apart on that thing. Yeah. And then just, you know, the, the matters of, of the social justice and how Christians are supposed to react to that. And then, uh, j- just, you know, that it's sometimes care is called for and not everything requires such a, a hammer and anvil approach. Right. It, it's really the, the discernment between what is essential and what is not, what requires a firm hand and what is not. For example, I would say the situation I was in today where he was denying that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that was a situation where I dropped the hammer, and I was like, I'm sorry, this is not 
good people who are reading this cannot believe this. Um, yeah. But whenever it comes to pedo baptism, I mean, everyone who's listened to my show has heard me joke about pedo baptists over and over again. Uh, and we're cool. I have um, plenty of brothers and sisters, but um, we, we have to be more careful about even what's called heresy, which is why we're doing the heresy series and all that. But um, Nate's right. You pick your battles and you don't have to uh, go in guns blazing. Um, you just don't. Um, so number... What is that? Number five then, right? You will answer for yes. every idle word. That's terrifying. Conduct yourself thusly, right? So that's from the words of Christ in yep. Matthew 12 when he um, says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Which is also another, just, a, it, it should promote accountability just to think, you know, what, what does my social media, if if you were to stand on the on the the what the the bema the judgment seat of Christ, and your social media was you know put put to the the microscope, does that frighten you at all? And I I think that it should cause you to have just a holy introspection as to far as what kind of testimony you've been promoting through digital means. Uh, and, and we're not sorry Christians are not new in history with this stuff I mean for, for as long as written literature's been people have had that to you know be kind of just a, a permanent written testimony of, of where they stood and then even well as Christ said every word you speak you'll have to answer to so now with social media you kind of have like a, a digital permanent footprint that you'll have to answer to. And then also, you know, you can think of the the classic text in James 3 about the tongue and about how it, it can spread forest fires and it can, you know, produce blessings and curses. And basically the Internet is your your tongue and the thoughts of your mind put into a digital written communique, communique, I think is the word. Um, and again, what what. Uh, are we speaking idle words or are we using our words wisely? Yeah. Um, Proverbs has a lot to say about speech too, I believe. And then whenever you look at, even if you look at the principle of um, both found in, Ma in Matthew and Mark, I believe, you know, that which proceeds from the, the mouth reveals the heart. Um, yeah. What you're saying shows what's going on and showing it shows sin. And so if, if you're just, blowing you know spitting fire at someone you got to really think about about where that's coming from and why it's coming from it because most of the time it's not because of the other person it's because you're prideful because you're losing a debate or your views are being challenged so there's the underlying issues of what is motivating your anger because if your motivation is solid and you just care for the person then your conduct will follow and i think we'll get into that in a little bit if i'm not mistaken i didn't mean to jump too far ahead no but one quick last word on that is also I don't think that it ruins your credibility if for for anyone to admit I don't have a lot to say on that so I'm gonna bow out yeah. or you know I, I I hear what you're saying I need to think about this a little bit more but instead it often devolves into ad hominems name calling those passive aggressive you know God bless you bro kind of yeah. comments and it's idle words it, it's it's just you know, to to bet it's to shut down discussion and, and keep your pride intact when 
humility is probably the better answer and that's not going to rob your credibility in any way it's just showing that i don't have i don't know that i want i want to well and that goes to say that i mean like if you admit that you don't know that establishes more credibility because you're being honest and and if you start lying about and you start talking about things you don't know about you're not only lying but you're showing people that you don't have any credibility (laughs) i mean it's it really is a, a fine line to, to say, I'm going to be wise. I don't know. I'll get back to you. Let's let's further discussion, too, because that kind of opens up the door of, hey, let's not make this a one and done. Let's have a conversation about this later on. Let's discuss it more in depth. Absolutely. Which goes into, well, I did jump the gun, didn't I? Uh, number six, gauge the motive behind what you post. You just made these flow so well that it's hard not to blend them. To inflame, mock, get high fives, impress people with your knowledge, to edify, etc. And uh, so the first, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Um, I was just going to add because we, we talked about this isn't a holier than thou thing, it, it's good for me, I think, to just mention that in the times that I have gotten upset and discussions, most of it has been an issue of pride. And I can admit that, um, there's only been a few times where I was just annoyed with a person because of the way they were acting. Um, but there's been plenty of times where I'd be in the same situation. Uh, and I would stop and pray and think about what I was doing and everything would be fine and dandy. So, um, I'll let you take it from there though. Yeah. And, and another good segue into the verse that I wanted to read regarding this particular principle, but I, I really love what Paul says here when he says, um, uh, so just in context, uh, this is the passage in Romans 12 is about just the identifying marks of a true Christian believer. And in verse 18, he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So there, there's several things to, to unpack there. One is that if possible, so there will be times when peace is just not going to be there. But then he, he adds a further disclaimer, so far as it depends on you. So it's your own personal accountability, live peaceably with all. So in thinking about that, in trying to live peace live at peace with all all mankind, you need to ask yourself before you post anything, am I trying to inflame and provoke or rile people up? Am I trying to get high fives and, and skull faces and fire emojis? Am I trying to impress people with, with uh, my knowledge that I've come up with or charts that I've made or, you know, like really amazing uh, blog posts? Um, and also, or, or am I truly trying to edify the the brethren and, and the sisters around the world? And I say that because I look back at posts that I've made on Instagram and stuff I've said on Twitter where it was to impress people with my knowledge. That was, I can remember the thoughts in my head of, man, people are going to get such a good kick out of this. Or, you know, I'm going to get so many likes and comments or like people are going to find this funny or it, it really was to, oh, I, I can't wait to see people get riled up about this, you know, this like quippy catchphrase, whatever the case may be. But I was in violation of Romans 12 because I wasn't promoting peace. I was either boasting up myself or I was trying to put others down. And that's why I mentioned this one, because it should give you pause to think about what who, who gets the glory in, in this post or who gets the glory in this tweet? Is it going to be myself or is it going to be God? Yeah. Um, 
one one passage that comes to mind for this entire discussion, which is one that's really been close to my heart in the last year as I've been growing, is Second Timothy two twenty three through twenty six. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, but know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may be, uh, come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So notice, the Lord's servant. Who are we? Are we the Lord's servant or are we not? We're not to be quarrelsome. We're to be kind to who? To everyone, able right. to teach, patiently enduring evil, and correcting opponents with gentleness. And that's that's one that's been so convicting for me in the last year and it doesn't exclude anyone, especially those who are assuming a role to teach, which on the internet most people are. So I think we can go ahead and apply that to there. But Absolutely. that's uh, that's a good appropriate passage. I forgot about that one. That that one, uh, like I said, that one's been convicting me hard, and it's been I have it saved on my phone just because I have to go back to it um, quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, number seven. Number- yeah, understand that the non-believers watched the Christian Civil Wars too. Man, I feel like I ruined. No. <laughs> so Romans two twenty four. Yeah. Um, in the context is again that uh, those who boast in their their use of the law, um, Paul says that they they have this self righteousness, and then they're not they're the ones that are not even following it. So because of that, Paul says, for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And if we're known as Christians on social media and we have uh, lost people and in atheists and in other religions seeing th- these brutal, absolutely brutal uh, put downs, that we start in these Instagram posts that have 10,000 comments, what kind of message does that send? And again, we're not new in history from this. As Paul said, this was common among first century Roman Christians, Mm -hmm. but it, we do need to understand. And and I didn't know this until I truly got really into um, Christianity, but we, we truly devour our own sometimes And it it does get it does become a just a knockout fest. But what if we were trying to think about what our testimony is to those? Again, it's a public forum; anyone can see it. Uh, and what message are we sending when, when we're inflaming and and just you know having these Christian civil wars? Yeah, and I can attest to that from from both ends of the spectrum. As as an atheist, I I certainly noticed all the discussions, and one of the best things I could always say to a Christian was, you guys can't agree on anything. Jesus said, uh, prove that you're my disciples by your love for one another. And I I knew that text, and I used it against Christians because of the way that they would throw each other to the lions. Uh, And then from the other side, um, I've, I've legitimately... I've felt that atheists sometimes treat me better than my fellow brothers. And that's, uh, that's very grievous. That makes me absolutely sad. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Um, this one's really important to me, I think. And it's something I've had to learn. Number eight, you do not need to respond to every single incident, outrage or controversy, etc. 
So uh, before I get into my personal thoughts on that principle, I had a couple of uh, texts that I pulled um, from Scripture. So the first one being um, in Acts 19, where there's a riot at Ephesus. And uh, in verse 32, it says, Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. So if you know that classic line from uh, Anchorman, you know, what's everyone yelling about? Loud noises. And that just, and I could be wrong about this, but it seems like everything post-2016 election has been about just how can we get the most upset, outraged reaction from people on social media over every controversy that comes about, whether it is, you know, like anything Trump says or this new one with Kanye West and the the division that that caused, uh, the the reformed community's obsession with Beth Moore, which drives me insane. It, It drives me insane how there's some people that have to hang on to Every single word a, a false prophet says, whether it is Todd White or, you know, uh, um, Bill Johnson, any of those guys, it's like we get it. Um, and it's it's um, you, you don't need to have a take on everything. Mm-hmm. And a good another good um, passage to keep in mind in regards to that is James 119, uh, where um, James, which is a book about it's a New Testament book about wisdom what he says in uh, James 1.19 is, uh, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And then it's the same thing, and there, there's several verses in Proverbs that talk about, you know, the a man that responds with quick anger just adds to the folly. Yeah. There used to be a day in old journalism where news companies would wait a few days for the dust to settle to get all the facts but now it's like everyone's gotta we gotta be the first headlines we gotta get the the story out there and it's just every single controversial story the social justice movement and that kid in washington dc with the maga hat and everything has to have a take and if you don't have a take you're not with the times and quite frankly you you don't have to respond to every single incident it you you don't need to have a take or the, the same thing with John Johnny Mac and, and Beth Moore. Maybe it is better to just not add to that because everyone and their brothers adding to that. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. There's been plenty of commentary. You don't, you don't really need to contribute to that. And whenever whenever it comes to um, what you said, I, I I really like that you mentioned letting the dust clear and settle so that you can sit back and actually objectively look at a situation. Because there's so many things that happen in the midst of it happening immediately that you're probably not seeing the full picture. And I've had this happen with Bethel and homosexuality. And I think we talked about that on the roundtable before with the guys. Where there was a situation that blew up. Bethel made a really dumb statement. And everyone jumped on him for it. And it turns out that they affirmed that homosexuality is a sin. But the Christian community misinterpreted their word and started blasting them for not saying that it's a sin. And that was one of the situations where I was in the weird position of defending Bethel because people were just blowing it out of proportion. I'm like, you guys, you just got to sit back and look at the situation. Um, But I think you, I think you nailed it. And honestly, um, but it's one of the reasons why I didn't start talking about Kanye. And as soon as I did, it became a thing. (laughs) Well, I really like what you said about, um, because I I will admit I did weigh in on that because I, I, 
just with the whole Kanye West situation, if if I had gotten that same response when I really started to take my faith seriously and I and I didn't have all the answers at first, I, I did. Um, I probably would have felt pounded into the dust. So that's why I felt led to just weigh in on that. But there's been numerous other controversies that have it's just every news cycle has some new thing we got to get upset about it you know the trump's impeachment or this you know the um there, there's just been numerous controversies this year with johnny mack and, and beth moore at at that conference and and everything's got to split sides and you have to weigh in because we got to know where you stand and sometimes it's just better like i just don't want to get involved i i, I why not we just forget about that and, and focus on on things that actually do matter than some you know social media or or theologian beef yeah um and the funny thing about the kanye thing was that whenever i put up my view people had done the same exact thing that we're critiquing right now they they blew up what i was saying and turned it all every which way and i was like no no no. i'm not saying he's not saved i'm not saying all these other things that you're trying to make me say <laughs> i'm trying to say let's focus on the reality that People get saved, and we should celebrate everyone who gets saved, kind of thing. Um, but then again, I, I there's just tell you, there's me. there's like uh, in twenty, so twenty fifteen was when I'd say because I had a period where I just stopped caring. I don't know if I if I, you know, had had fall, had apostatized, but there was a period of time where it was about for a good couple years I just didn't care about Christianity, and I lived like a reprobate. But in the 2015 or early 2016 is when I really started to grow and actually care about sanctification, holiness. And I remember just all I can think of every single controversial thing in, in Instagram and Twitter. Like in 2016, it was the, the Sabbath the, uh, was made into a salvation issue. And that that really caused some doubts in, in people's own walks and stuff. And and then um, just the whole uh do you remember the ecclesiastical text when uh, the Reformed community was trying to make, um, like it was, it was a return to the uh, Reformation text of the Bible. Oh. All modern texts are, you know, corrupt and, and heretical, and that you know split people. And it every new year, every new month, almost every week. And then over the this past summer, it was uh, did David rape Bathsheba, and that that really caused some extreme ugliness among people that and and uh also with the the me too movement there's just been some very unfair and horrific things people have said that have gravely damaged their testimony for the time being yeah and, and part is just if they just had chosen to keep their mouths shut or not weigh in or get involved in every controversy it wouldn't have led to such careless responses and the leading to accusations of oh you're a bigot you're a misogynist you, you know you're you're a, a devil kind of thing yeah yeah without a doubt um part of me wants to just tell you because you're you and we've we've talked about it a lot that they actually just had an ecclesiastical text conference this october was it jeffrey riddle i think so wasn't it yeah i, I think it was yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, again, I just keep going back to, to, to second Timothy in my mind, you know, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. I don't know. I mean, that can, honestly, you can talk about conspiracy theories too, in some level, 
whenever it gets to all yeah. that kind of jazz. Yeah. Because you know exactly Jeffrey what I'm talking about. didn't kill himself kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm so sick of that. I'm just tired of it. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, for a while, it's like you that actually that's exactly what it was. Um, it was one day you couldn't go on the internet without seeing something about Beth Moore. The next day you couldn't go on the internet without seeing something about Kanye. And then the next day it was it was just one thing after another. And that's really just assimilating the culture, in my view. It's it's assimilating that that desire and need to be in the know and to have a voice and you have to have your opinion. Uh, it's kind of presumptuous to think that our opinions matter that much to begin with, but it's also silly to think that what you're saying hasn't been said by a hundred other people already. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> number nine. Number nine. Virtue signaling is cute, but often just deploy words devoid of any real meaning. You want to expand on that? So for those that don't know what virtue signaling is, um, and and I am you, I know that uh, you could say that the the left loves uh, this phraseology, uh, but it's where it's basically just a display of self-righteousness. Um, and, and it's where you take someone's stance and then you basically just say, Oh, I've never done that. Or I would never think that. And there's several, there's numerous instances in scripture where you can find this. And one of the best, uh, spots is Luke 18 of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. He's like, you know, I'm not like this tax collector, the adulterers, you know, and he's like, I fast twice in the week and I, I give tithes on everything I get. That That is signaling his virtue and self-righteousness. And then you look at the, the other side and he's, you know, can't even look up to heaven because he's like, have mercy on me, the sinner. And um, another one is Matthew 6, where it, I wish I could just be a witness to this, but the um, certain people would blast trumpets before they would give a donation to the poor. Kind of just like a, a heralding announcement, like, you know, hear ye, hear ye. Yeah. I'm about to rescue this man out of poverty. And but you see that with, with social media as well, where people will talk about and there are some things to be celebrated. Like when someone talks about, you know, I've gone so many days with sobriety, that's I'm I'm glad. I'm I will celebrate that with you. That is a big win. But then you have other people that will put their self-righteousness on display again, possibly for likes and, and high fives and things of that nature. And it makes me wonder just, you know, when I, I think about the example of when I, I took it upon myself to write my own commentaries on books of the Bible and I posted about it. And then it made me wonder, is this me just putting my righteousness on display for people to give likes and high fives? And it made me wonder, uh, or, you know, just kind of think about the hard intention of, of what am I saying, really? You, you kind of read my mind, and I was about to say, I'm going to get some messages for this one. But in some ways, specifically with the Reformed community, uh, they have taken over the role of Instagram girls by posting pictures of their computers with all their books and all their study materials. And my my biggest question for, for that is, what what are you showing? Like honestly, so you you show your look com- at my Spurgeon collection, guys. Exactly, and it's like hard oh, eye. I, I'm studying love. studying hard this morning. I have all my highlights in my Bible. I got three programs open. All this other stuff. I mean, are you studying or are you looking at Instagram while you're posting up your picture? With with your commentary, I see it as you're proud of something that you wrote, and that's actually something that's worth sharing. 
But with these other ones where it's just their process of studying, it's kind of like, I mean, of course. Hold on, let me get that. Before I dive into the word, let me get this pick on my story right. kind of thing. And that's the question. I'm guilty of it. I am very guilty of it. This is not me lambasting anyone. Yeah. I'm, I'm pointing the finger at myself here. I, I've done it too. Uh, there's been a couple of times where I've done it. And sometimes, okay, and sometimes I'll share, you know, with a little close friends list on Instagram, hey, this is what I'm dealing with right now. But it's not usually nowadays because I kind of check myself. It's not usually out of, hey, look at all the cool stuff I'm doing. It's like, look, I'm, I'm just kind of like dying over here with all this junk. And I, I, don't, yeah. I don't do it very often. Um, but well, I th- other also, I think it's it's appropriate. Like if you're saying like, I I am in Luke six tonight, and and these are the conclusions I've came to. And then you know maybe someone might comment and say, you know, when I was reading that, this is what I got out of it, kind of thing. And yeah, it, it, I don't see that as like you know like putting your righteousness on display. But we do see we do see it so often, just like. Here's my library of all the reformed materials I've read. Look at me, kind of thing. Yeah. And 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 I've found it where I have used this in argumentation where someone will be like, they've challenged me. They've said, you know, what are your credentials and stuff? And I've said, well, I've written such and so many commentaries on these books of the Bible. And then it's like, what was I? What was I doing when I replied with that? You know, that was that was all pride. That was all you know just for, for people to take my side. <laughs> I can use, I can use an example from today again with that same individual. Uh, he said, I know you don't know Greek. I mean, I know you don't know Hebrew. And <laughs> so, so blah, da, 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 da. And I was tempted to be like, yeah, I don't know Hebrew, but I know some Greek, but I, I had to like stop myself. Cause like, there's no purpose behind that other than pride. Um, and so again, we're, we're not saying like, Hey, we're assuming your motive is an error. We're saying just think more about why you're doing what you're doing. And I think that question of why makes the world a difference in how we post, what we talk about, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Spot on. Um, number 10. Oh, 10 and final one. Don't always assume the worst in others. Approach any potential argument with the best intentions and a healthy optimism. That is the most wise thing I think I've read today about the internet. So um, the verse that I I thought of when when coming up with that principle is First Corinthians thirteen seven, which this is not just for marriage. This is for all our interactions with everyone we come across. So it says, uh, "Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things." So there, there's there's several different things there. There's there's the bearing. That's like the patience. Like you're bearing with someone. You're you're trying to have a civil discussion of truth. Uh, believes all things. So that this isn't an, a naive optimism, but this is just believing the best intentions outright. I I think that everyone should be given the benefit of the doubt as a starting point until proven otherwise. Uh, and then as far as hoping and enduring all things, so you, you want to hope for the best intentions and hope for the right motives in others. And then also just enduring when that's not the case, enduring through those hard discussions with someone or those discussions that drain you. So that when I say don't always assume the worst in others, I'm saying that you can't really gauge someone's motive solely off what they post it could be have been posted out of a state of naivety it could have been posted out of a state of ignorance um or or just simply a a lack of knowledge um but i i'd say give give everyone 
a benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise, because we are so quick to assume the worst and, and to think like, and I've seen this with, with um, a good example I will give is Timothy Keller when he tweeted something about um, using art with the gospel. And then the comments underneath, it, it blew up like, oh, so art is now the gospel. And, and he had to give a follow-up tweet like, really? Is that what you got out of this? Like, yeah. And it's not, it's not giving someone like – nuance or, or the chance to you know defend themselves but it's, it's just a, a state of unfairness really um and you see that with a lot of theologians that someone will take something out of context and and then they will think that oh now he's a racist or, or now he he you know uh what is it? Pentecostals are are going to hell or th- like things of that nature and and it comes from jumping to the worst negative conclusions. Yeah. Um, and I think with that, it, it's it's good to kind of say, well, you know, whenever it comes to motives, just worry about your own instead of questioning other people's. I think that's just the safest way to kind of avoid that, that pitfall. And everything you're saying goes back to the first principle. At the end of the day, do unto your neighbor as you would have. Do you want people ripping your stuff out of context like that? Because <laughs> I guarantee you don't. Um you you want people to give you the benefit of the doubt. You want people to let you explain what you were trying to say if you miscommunicated. So, I mean, again, it's just the golden rule. I think you nailed it. I think that that's I think that's a really important one because it kind of wraps up everything really well. Um one Absolutely. Th- and, and then also with with um what you said just but by being fair if someone that you that you love or you admire, you care for post something that that and I've seen it just someone like like uh, didn't discuss the Trinity in a, in a very concise manner or they didn't it, it seemed like they were like this this whole lordship salvation thing it, it, it sounds like a return to Rome in a sense but then I approached them and he's like you know now that I think about that I wasn't very clear with that let me retract that and, and edit it instead of Oh, so now you're a you're a, a Roman Catholic, and or because by doing that you're jumping in the worst conclusions when the person just didn't clearly think through what they were saying, or it just wasn't as clear as it could have been. Yeah. Um, and that I mean, I kind of lost that that train of thought, but hmm, what was I gonna say? I dropped the ball, but yeah, I, I agree completely, and I think that with um, whenever it comes to Memes too is I, I kind of want to go back to memes for a second, or actually post in general about stumbling, and I think that kind of goes back into the concept of you know uh, loving your neighbors. That I've seen some very provocative posts that would cause someone to stumble, yeah, uh, in many respects. Um, and I've seen sexually explicit posts from Christians. I obviously modesty is an issue. So whenever it comes to all this, though. I think the key word is grace, grace for your neighbor, and then have grace, like realize that God's grace is sufficient for you too. Because if you're listening to this and you're like super convicted, God's grace is sufficient and you're never going to get your motive 100% right, but God has grace. He's given us grace. I think that's the key. Use, use even scales. Uh, would you want the scales that you weigh other people to be the scales that you would be weighed with? Right, exactly. And if you're 
answer is yes, well, then maybe you are spot on. But for those of you that say no, then rethink the the graciousness that you're giving to other people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that all wraps that up very well. I think we kind of covered everything that I could think of at the moment. It's kind of a big subject, though, so I know that there's facets. I guess just a couple closing thoughts. Sure. What What we wanted to accomplish with this is, again, this was just recently brought to my attention. I, I was one that was obsessed with you know meme culture and. And posting that and partaking in it, I, I used to be the type that just would start inflammatory Twitter wars and Instagram wars and just, you know, trying to win every argument that, that came across my way. And then, oh, oh everyone's got a take. I got to have my own take. Um, and then the, the standard issue uh, got the coffee brewed and the Bible open story posts and, and, th- and just a lot of it was self serving and not Christ serving and just seeing what social media has devolved to in Christian circles today. So many theologians that, that are beloved and that, that I've greatly admired have ruined their testimonies because of the gracelessness, the inflammatory posts, the unfairness that they've dealt with people and they've come up with reputations for that. Um, and oftentimes in the name of, oh, I, I am a discernment blogger or I, I am a theologian that tackles the tough issues. That's no excuse for the, the speech that you communicate to others with. And so ultimately what we wanted to accomplish with this for ju- is just for everyone to take an introspection, look at their um, accounts and, and just ask yourselves, is my page God-glorifying, or is it just full of, of laughs and giggles and, and um, things that serve me? And I'm not saying that – I don't want to be the, the type of person to say that everything you post, you know, the, if you want to post a picture of your family or, you know, like just, just things of that nature, just like an award you want at work, that – we can celebrate mundane everyday things. I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't think that, you know, every single post you, you have has to have some sort of Bible verse or something. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that if you're, if the content that you've garnered a reputation for is just only designed to just, you know, create flack or, or get clout, as they say, it might be some time for some introspection. Yeah. That's basically all I could ask for is, that we just think through it and you know nate said that this is relatively new for him and um before i had started that meme page uh along it has been a while now before i started it i i was kind of against memes because of the same concepts but not as thought out and then someone convinced me a little bit otherwise and i made the meme page and then uh through that i was like you know what this this isn't right this isn't the way I should be acting. And so out of my own conviction, I shut it down. And then I really just kind of started thinking about it more and more. And um, all of this comes from my reflections on what Christianity should look like. All this comes from a reflection of what I want to leave behind for the next generation. I want to leave behind uh, deep theological, rich truths and reverence and show people that the bo- the Bible is worth um, revering. And there's nothing... Uh, 
nothing in God's word is really necessary to be twisted into humor, in my opinion. I, I have come to the conclusion that uh, God gave us a divine revelation. Uh, Jesus is the living word, and every time we make a joke out of that, it's it's kind of sad. And so there's categories, like Nate was saying, that, uh, you know, post pictures are family. Your family is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing, you know. It's the Philippians uh, principle, you know. You, you think on the, the good things, the things that bring you joy and happiness, and then, uh, well, not yeah. necessarily happiness, but you know what I mean. Um, then, But whenever it comes to holy things, treat holy things as being holy. Have that reverence. Have that deep conviction for what's real. And put efforts and, into deep reflection. And a question I asked before we started the, the 10 principles was, where do we go from here? Yeah. We're, I feel that, you know, I wouldn't say that, that me and you are... are Martin Luther's of the internet in any sense, but <laughs> no. I, I do hope that for those that do listen to this, they can kind of just ask the questions of where do we go from here memes wise? What, 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 or, or are memes even worth posting now? Because the stuff we have to ask is what, what, what are we ultimately trying to communicate with, with this, you know, the, the next meme trend, whatever it may be. Um, like the, the one that's kind of going on now is that woman screaming, pointing at a cat behind a chair. Those, those have been, there's been a proliferation of that, but what, you know, what are we trying to, to communicate? Are we taking an eternal truth and making it a joke or is what we're posting actually making a truth more understandable? Yeah. I don't think that every single meme under the sun is blasphemous or unholy, Agreed. but I think a vast majority of them are. And I think that there are some instances where we can make, we can communicate truths through pictures, but it does, it, it does take more care than what we've been giving to such a matter as this lately. I think you, you raised a point that, that needed to be said too, is that not all memes are bad. I mean, and someone had asked me about the, the distinction between, well, memes and Christian memes. I think there's there's a different category. I don't think there should be Christian memes in the sense that we're talking about. Um, and whenever it comes to, uh, well, I lost that train of thought too. It's getting late for me. Uh, at, at the end of the day, Nate, Nate summed it up all perfectly. And this conversation, I think, should be compelling. And if our guiding principle is live as a sacrifice to God, renew our mind and give glory to God. If we live for God as a living sacrifice and our job is to glorify God, just ask if you're going to be posting theological content is a meme glorifying to God. I mean, that that's a solid principle to ask yourself. Actually, you can ask yourself with that every principle, you know what I mean? But. Absolutely. So we hope that you'll just take, um, uh, we, we can probably put these 10 principles in the description just sure. to, for people to have. Uh, but uh, again, this is stuff that we just extra extracted from Sola Scriptura, which me and Nick both believe is the ultimate standard for how we are to guide ourselves. But the, the social media is not some where, where where sin becomes null and void. What yeah. you do in a digital communication realm is you're going to have to answer for. And that's what we are just ultimately trying to communicate is we've uh, all of us can do better. All of us can do better. Yeah. The internet is a great tool, and we've seen this with sermons, podcasts, and everything else. So let's use it as a good tool instead of a club. Amen. Well, do you want to say goodbye or tell anyone anything in particular? 
No, just um, thanks again for for having me on. Um, again, it, 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 this was uh, this was fun to put together because there's there's so much that could be said here. I don't think we covered everything, nope. but I do hope at the very least that those who listen to this will have gotten something out of this. And and just my hope for everyone is that your page, your your character, you will be known for someone that I can have calm discussions with this person because that's the reputation they have. That's what I've tried to do, um, the way I've tried to represent myself. And that's my hope for everyone else as well, that we would all be salt and light of the earth. Yep. Well said. And that concludes our episode with Nate Davis. It was a great episode. I hope you got something out of it. And until next time, God bless you all.